Welcome everyone to First Principles Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Elliot. And this is Trees. Today we're going to be talking about peak oil. What in tarnation is peak oil? <laughs> I remember first hearing about it in uh, first year undergrad university. It was an introductory course to engineering and just talking really briefly about different topics oil production came up so naturally our professor at the time crazy wacky dude was talking about the premise of peak oil and it's really based on some fundamental principles that peak well oil is a finite resource we are consuming it at an unsustainable rate and due to that fact our production of it just naturally has to go dwindle at some point it has to go down because we're taking it out of the ground and it takes hundreds of thousands if not millions of years to replenish those oil resources so to me it seems like a pretty yeah case closed like pretty fundamental you know you can't really argue with those uh, facts those facts exactly exactly but nonetheless as you know, you maneuver through this life, you know, I've encountered people that are actually don't buy that whole peak oil scenario. And they always believe, for example, that technology will come to the rescue. And even though we might, you know, dwindle our resources to a certain point, lo and behold, some new invention will come around and we'll be able to get more and more. Yeah. I don't know. What are your thoughts on this whole thing? Hell yeah. Yeah, I've run into a couple of those people myself. Um, it's hard to hear those ideas put forward when you have a kind of an understanding of, uh, of, of petroleum and how it's uh, produced. And, and to argue with them seems counterproductive at times. But this um, is some smart people, right? Yeah. Like I've heard this types of notion from, you know, PhDs in um geoscience uh engineering geotechnical engineering you know so it's not like people that have this position are you know uneducated right yeah it's that's it's crazy true. it's true and you know it's there's so much uncertainty surrounding how much oil is out there that you know when we run out is the big question somebody that thinks we're never going to run out seems like I'm not sure what exactly they're basing that that thought process on, but um, hmm. you know, there's so much. Well, we'll talk about that. We'll talk yeah. about some, what uh, I guess some of those arguments might be from those people that hold those positions that peak oil is a farce. It's not real. You know, we'll try to break down some of those things that you might hear from that type of person. Some of the arguments they might encounter, and maybe provide you guys with you know, some counterpoise you guys can give to them and, you know, give them some food for thought per se. Yeah, absolutely. We'll break it down. So just to back up a little bit again, this whole notion of peak oil, it's actually been discussed for many years. Um, it was invented by Mr. M.K. Hubert back in the 50s, 60s. And so already people had foreseen that, you know, again, oil is a finite resource we are taking it out of the ground we're producing it and consuming it and um, he actually created this curve which describes his prediction 
of how this whole thing will play out. So based on his curve, which we'll put up on the screen, you see that the production of oil, this is specific to the United States, but it peaks at around 1980 and then starts to tail off like a bell curve and eventually dwindles down into the 20s and 30s. Now this graph, as you'll see, is the red line, what is it showing? Well, it's showing the actual production of oil in the United States. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. Now, and you look at that bell-shaped curve, that's the uh, ideal peak curve, the theoretical curve that Herbert developed. Um, right. It's symmetrical, and he, uh, he based that curve, well, backing up a little bit, is mm -hmm. he noticed that in a single oil well, it behaved in a certain manner following this bell curve. And then he noticed also that you could apply that same bell curve to a whole field of, mm -hmm. uh, of uh, well, oil wells. So then he went even further and said, can we apply this to a region? Can we apply this to a country? And there's, you know, people have gone even further to try to, uh, you know, apply this to the global situation of oil. Mm -hmm. um, but as precise that may be for an individual well, it seems that it's not necessarily the best uh, representation when you move to uh, larger regions, uh, as you can see, right in the mm -hmm. for the U.S., mm -hmm. they started to follow it pretty closely. But then, the peak was I, I believe it was estimated about what actually occurred was about seventeen percent greater than what was predicted, and then mm -hmm. it began mm -hmm. to decline, and then suddenly in around two thousand eight, starts to shoot back up again. Yeah, and what were you saying earlier? That was kind of interesting, which I hadn't really fully taken into consideration about that spike that we see in the 2000s uh, it's it's a coincidence we're not sure why exactly uh, it's connected but 2008 you know that was a major financial crisis in the states um in the world bro yeah yeah <laughs> world. yeah in the world <laughs> Uh, but uh considering this is happening in the states it's uh mm -hmm. you know what kind of uh what's exactly is going on there i'm not too mm -hmm. sure yeah 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 exactly exactly um, so that so this might be one of the arguments you would uh, come across from a peak oil denier. They would say, okay, look, like the facts, you know, don't add up. You said that our production was going to dwindle, but in reality, it's uh, almost never been higher. So you're going to see a huge, uh, as, due to the fact that there's been a huge spike in the last few years. But again, you know, is that something that's sustainable? Just because that's the case right now, does it mean that that would always continue as such? Will we have, you know, a sinusoidal, you know, up and down, up and down, up and down, or is it eventually just gonna hit the floor real hard, real quick? Um, well, we actually looked into some research and uh, dug up some numbers just uh, to look into, for example, what are the reserves that are around here and you know based on our consumption of those reserves how many years would it take for us to actually dwindle down all those reserves to zero so what we did was source some data from the u.s energy information administration so pretty legit source it's open data i encourage everybody to go check it out for themselves we'll provide a link but essentially they have the a whole bunch of a slew of information but what we looked at and what we'll show on the screen are the global reserves and how they've changed 
throughout the 1980s from the start of the 80s up to 2016 2017 yeah um and this graph is interesting because it really demonstrates again that our reserves have been increasing um in reality when there should have been perhaps as might have been predicted a drop in our reserves and our production um globally it's been increasing from like quite substantially what we went from 500 uh billion barrels to in the early 80s all the way up to almost uh triple that number so we're we're pretty good like humans we're pretty good explorers <laughs> we're we're miners we're good explorers we're good at uh taking stuff out of the ground i love it <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, but there's something about that graph that doesn't quite add up you go how can we keep finding this much oil and you know you might ask you know if we're using so much why is this increasing um right right so, so counterintuitive it's counterintuitive but it's a, I thought you said it's a finite resource, dude. Hold up. And then it's, it's going up. It's go <laughs> you know, Something's going me, on. What's, something, do something doesn't add up. It's fishy, right? <laughs> well, it's to look at, the, you have to look at the metric. You know, this was right. something that um, was new to me. But when we talk about reserves in the oil industry, they use something called proven reserves, which mm -hmm. is um, you, an oil reserve can be a proven reserve only when. Uh, you have the technology to economically extract that oil. Mm -hmm. So you can have something like the oil sands sitting there and you know it's there. You know there's oil in the ground. But if you don't have the technology or like, to economically extract that oil, it cannot be counted as a proven reserve. So this graph you're looking at here is actually showing proven reserves. Okay. So what you're actually, true, true, true. as you see these steps along the way, especially in the 2000s, you're seeing technology come online, such as the oil sands, such as horizontal fracking. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Yes, those type of technologies oh, are fun stuff. game changers. Earth and shattering stuff. Earth, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lighten your groundwater on fire stuff, yeah. <laughs> It's, it's got your tap water <laughs> turning into little flames due to the methane <laughs> seepage and all that stuff. Okay, anyways, go yeah, on, everybody's sorry. seen those images. <laughs> Shocking, yeah, yeah. Uh, can't prove it though. No. Can't prove it. <laughs> Fight tooth and nail to deny that's okay. been the result. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. We have we know certain oil patches exist but we don't count them towards our reserves until we have the technological means to extract it in an economically feasible way is that is that kind of it yes okay. exactly okay cool 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 so we also kind of looked at the how the reserves that we calculated compared to the consumption and the global consumption specifically is what we looked at and this is the next plot that we have and you know surprise surprise from the early 1980s all the way up to 2017 we increased consuming oil straight line <laughs> straight, straight up <laughs> and then yeah <laughs> that's the crazy part <laughs> we fit a line to it uh just a straight line put an r square value to it 0.989 which means that our consumption has increased essentially like perfectly matched by a straight line. It yeah. It's a straight line going up. That straight line pretty much fits the data exactly. 
That's a very good R squared value. Yeah. <laughs> well, as a as a science nerd, when you see an R squared value that high, you fucking you get a little wet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh, <laughs> look at how strong that trend is. Oh this my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so what's crazy is that because there's all this consumption you would again expect our the the years that it would take for us to deplete our resources to be going down right so we have our reserves we're consuming them we're consuming them at a higher rate so that means that the years until those reserves are depleted down to zero they dwindle down to nothing is going to decrease as well well Okay, that's when we have this next plot, which is kind of interesting. Um, tell us, tell the good people what this plot over here is showing us. Yeah, so we're looking at a plot here. This is historical projections of years until oil depletion. So what we did to create this graph was we looked at what, in a given year, what was the proven oil reserve and divided that by our annual consumption of oil which has been going up each year, as you saw in the previous graph. So you look at this uh, graph and you, what you kind of see is an upward growth, but it seems to go up and down in sections here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, overall yeah. the trend is going up. Overall, that which it seems that we've got somewhere around 45, 50 years worth of oil uh, still left, the, still, and then we're, but then we're out. That's, that's the idea that if we mm -hmm. can continue to consume and we don't find any more oil, and we don't have any technological advancements, we will be out of oil in 45 to 50 years. Right. And again, this is just strictly assuming if we were to stop oil exploration, if our technology was to, you know, just stop advancing and allowing us to access new reserves, um, which of course is probably not gonna be the case, but is really, this graph really just, is um, good for nailing home a point that you know there is this ticking time almost this ticking time bomb so to speak and regardless of as we continue to find new reserves due to the fact that we're depleting them there is this number associated with it and what's interesting to point out with this graph is again although it's gradually increasing from the early 80s to 2017 for example you see some dips that it goes through which again showcases for example from the early 80s down to the late 80s um, early 90s you see this uh, drop so we were consuming we weren't finding new reserves and the years until depletion was steadily dropping. We see a spike then in the late 80s. All of a sudden, maybe we got better at new exploration, maybe we got new technology, uh, whatever it was, boom, all of a sudden we had a whole bunch of new oil to work with. And what you alluded to earlier as well is that you know those reserves sometimes are increased due to just like just sheer technology um which uh, which you see in the early 2000s in that spike because one of the players that got introduced in that era was the uh, canadian oil sands right and what was crazy was that before in the early 2000s and the late 90s 
Canada's reserves were in the low four or five billions or something. And then boom, 2004-2005 hits, which you see in this graph, which is the global was increasing. So I'm sure it wasn't just Canada that was um, demonstrating the presence of old reserves that they now had access to. But what you see nicely with this next figure is how, again, in the early 2000s, that number essentially increased by two orders of magnitude where it went from four or five billion up to like 160, 170 billion uh, barrels. And it's boom, technology came to the rescue, I guess. So yeah. again, yeah. Our, um, our peak oil deniers, dearists, whatever whatever you want to call them would maybe reference something like this and say hey well you know we have technology that's allowed us to increase our reserves by literally two orders of magnitude you know not just double triple quadruple two orders of magnitude so when we are in dire situations it's true humans are great at innovating you know necessity is the mother of innovation right and when we're put in a tight scenario, it's, um, you know, we figure out ways, but how can you figure out a way when that thing that you're trying to figure out doesn't exist anymore though too, right? If the oil is completely gone, no matter how innovative you can be with your creativity, it's gone. Yeah. Poof. <laughs> exactly. And there's something else I wanted to put forward here was that idea that we develop these new technologies such as the uh, fracking and the fracking, oil, oil yeah. sands is there is a, a, a cost that we uh, that comes with that. Uh, you know, the amount of energy it takes to extract a barrel oil versus the amount mm -hmm. of energy you get out from right. that barrel oil is going down. It's going down. It's harder and harder to get this oil. And so something like the U.S., which is still like the number one producer of, uh, of petroleum in the world. Crazy. Um, it's been... Uh, a net exporter. Next exporter, yeah. Fuck. But the International Energy Agency actually thinks that the conventional uh, production peaked in 2006. They've, you know, they've stepped away from, you know, simply be able to put wells in and extract oil that way which is the conventional mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well that's a bit more complicated than that but simplistic to simplify it it's it's right. a well uh so they they've managed to keep their production up using fracking primarily right um it's right. crazy and it's uh it's interesting how you allude to the fact that now there requires more energy input to get the same volume of oil like you know the oil sands in canada why we call it sands because there's literally sand like little particles in the oil and we have to put a bunch of energy which implies money which implies more pollution which implies more burning fuel or whatever to do your work in order to separate your oil the stuff you want from the little particulates that are embedded in that mesh and it's a crazy old process crazy like just that whole separation is nuts yeah um so again you have to put more energy in to get the same quality or quantity out i should say but going um, back to that question of how much time do we actually have left yes. in terms of when will we run out of oil mm -hmm. we mm -hmm. want to take a, a closer look at that you know what, what, one of the things we like to do on this podcast is you know very back of the envelope get down to first principles if we had to estimate you know how much oil is left how could we go about this right so we 
scoured the internet and we found scoured scoured it every nook and cranny yeah every crevice every old freaking blog tweet every reddit subreddit well maybe that's been much yeah. but we didn't, we didn't go that far <laughs> and there was paywalls you know in some cases with a lot of research you can't get past but you know there are Sometimes ways you gotta pay you gotta pay, to you gotta pay, pay. but we found some interesting estimates in a couple of research papers about right. um what might be the total amount of fossil fuels on the planet right now exactly period the period. total period available at all regardless of access regardless of uh, do we have the technology to get it regardless of uh, all that stuff this is just like how much oil is there period exactly <laughs> and up on the upper limit we found that there was about ten thousand billion metric tons of carbon was yep. one estimate yes and on the lower end i believe there was around four thousand that's it right four thousand billion and our sources for those numbers came from uh nasa and also the university of new hampshire uh again we'll provide those links you guys feel free to look it up for yourself um we always want to be open with our data analysis where we get our data from and again the pre all the previous numbers were from the u.s um international energy statistics provided by the uh, energy information administration something like that we'll have the links it's pretty legit it's pretty cool definitely recommend it if you like to geek out with data go play around with mm. that stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um so yeah so these numbers came from nasa and also the university of new hampshire again and it's crazy so when we look at the total reserves period so of ten thousand billion versus four thousand billion metric tons we have this next figure that we created so this is based on the consumption that we would have had in uh, 2017 so if we were to just keep that static so assuming it does not increase with a linear trend which we saw that you know it was doing for the last 30 40 years so this is a very conservative estimate because instead of um increasing that consumption we've just held it at a constant at whatever it was into 20 at 2017 projecting into the future so years until depletion when we have 10,000 metric tons and based off of the consumption from 2017 we see years until depletion about 2,000 if we have 4,000 as our estimate of the total reserves of oil in the world again this is the maximum amount of oil left in the world um, irrespective of whether we have the technological means to access it we would have if we were able to, if we were able to access it and you know produce it we would have just under 800 years uh, roughly um in order to uh, just be done with it until our reserves hit zero so 800 years and 2000 years what do you think about those numbers there Elliot? better than 40 years better, better than, than 50 yeah, years better yeah. than 40 and 50 right better than 40 and 50 these are like the upper limits though you guys have to consider and these are conservative numbers because we're assuming consumption isn't going to increase but realistically with the growth of many um third world countries with their you know um for for example entering the global capitalist markets with that comes 
a certain level of advancement, a certain level of increase in lifestyle, which requires more energy, which a lot of companies will most, or not companies, most countries will most easily opt to doing and providing this energy via oil. So realistically, we can expect our oil consumption to increase from 2017 and onwards. Um, so again, these are very conservative estimates. It's 10,000. So like maximum, we have 2,000 years. 2,000 years. 2,000 years. Just a blip on the geological time scale, but for humans, that's, yeah, well, like, that's a fair we, bit of time. We can, we can continue to be, you know, greedy and get all that shit out. But again, this is uh, not considering of any things, any, you know, environmental climate um, changes that might result due to our extraction and production that might, you know, interfere with us being able to get to these higher levels of extraction. Uh, because as the environment changes, as climate changes, who, who knows what what will happen to us in 2,000 years? Who knows if we'll be around in 2,000 years? I don't know. I'm hopeful, all right? I'm, yeah, I'm not me all too. doom and gloom, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's actually another concept, you know, not to end this on a doom and gloom. Um, yeah, no, no. Is the idea about peak oil demand. Um, right. There are factors that are, uh, you know, being considered to sh uh, curb the amount of uh, oil that we would be consuming. There might become a time where our demand actually peaks. And um, Right, yeah, which would be awesome because... I think ultimately, you know, we have the power as individuals, as consumers with our vote and we vote on a daily basis, not once every four years or once every five years when the election comes around, but we vote every day with our dollar and how we consume and the markets respond to that. The mar we are the market and producers will respond to that if they realize that people don't want to spend money on products that... Yeah, this is a crazy idea I had actually. What if you, you know, when you were picking out different products, you could see this was the amount of petroleum used to produce this product. Hmm. This was the amount of energy used to produce this. Like, I don't know. I feel like for me as a shopper, this is kind of going on another tangent, but for me as a shopper, that would help me make a more informed decision because if I knew I had two products, they're the same price, they uh, give me the same value from what I want to get out of it, and I know, okay, product A had... Uh, you know, half the amount of energy uh, required to produce it then versus product B, then I'll go with product A because ultimately, you know, that's, again, consumer, your own individual footprint, you know, that kind of stuff. But I don't know. It's like random stuff like that. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> an interesting uh, concept. And, you know, anything that helps a consumer make a better decision, mm -hmm. I'm for. I'm hesitant, though, because I could see it becoming very one-sided like you might hyper focus on oh you know this is a very low petroleum uh, consumption associated with uh, this product but right. what isn't missing what do we not know was there uh, you know what are the other factors if it wasn't right. was there it's still rare narrow. earth it's metals narrow, yeah. that were exploited to get make yes. the product you know yes. there's there's a lot rare of earth metals yeah that's very intensive yeah. mining Mess shit up. Just other types of factors like that that could right. be overlooked, you know. Simply, you know, look at something like nutrition facts on food. At first glance, you go, okay, this is great. Now I'm learning how much sugar and... Right. But, you know, as... There's levels deeper than that, too. Levels deeper, right. you know. It's not as simple as... That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I like that. I like that. 
but beyond uh you know our individual uh, choices changing how uh demand for oil changes in the future right um there's actually i think there was like four or five different factors i was looking at that are quite promising one is uh efficiency gains okay one mm-hmm. of the hu- largest wait, wait these are five factors for what again so these are five factors that will curb uh the demand for uh oil products in the future okay interesting. The, uh, depending on how much they increase you know, in the future so okay cool 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 a large uh portion of our uh, consumption of oil is through the transportation industry okay right. so yeah. this and this industry flying yeah 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 aircrafts for sure vehicles Mm -hmm. uh, cars so efficiency gains you know people are coming up with new motors that are more efficient Mm -hmm. uh, you know more aerodynamic they're coming up with navigation systems that can be implemented that make the choose the best routes so you have you're reducing these inefficiencies in travel a lot of pressure so you know if you those are to be introduced that oil isn't going away yeah they're definitely putting up a fight yeah exactly sure those oil companies, those car companies, they're not uh, going to let electric companies take over for, like without a, a good fight, for sure. They've been around for a while. For a long time. And even, mm-hmm. you know, you know, electrical vehicles, they are, you know, depending on how much they take off, this will change uh, how much oil we consume. But the reality also becomes that even with efficiency gains or something like an electrical vehicle, you purchase this, but you don't necessarily retire the less efficient oil consuming uh, vehicle you have, right? So Mm. there's always seems to be a bit of a demand. You have to live out the lifespan of these, you know, historic uh, uh, vehicles. They hit their 25, 20 year lifespan and then get crushed into the junkyards into a small little cube i see i see yeah yeah most people will write it out right like or somebody will pick up these cars you know some college or high school student that just needs a cheap beater car to get him from point a to point b whatever it may be yeah it'd be cool though in the future if your cheap beater car is some sort of first gen electric car <laughs> you know tesla you know <laughs> i got yeah. this beater tesla <laughs> Yeah, everybody else can't is wait. Yeah. yeah the the future holds some uh, very interesting uh technological advancements yeah so yeah again um as a recap of what we talked about today so we introduced the concept of peak oil how it was in, uh, created back in the 50s 60s people have been talking about it for you know decades at this point and how it's really based on the premise of the fact that oil is a finite resource we're consuming it and it's not coming back we're not replenishing it we're finding more of it but you know that doesn't mean that we're going to be able to sustain it to a point where we'll forever have more of it and we actually looked at some numbers we looked at what the total um, global reserves of fossil fuels are we looked at 10,000 billion metric tons as our uh, upper range and we saw that uh, you know if we have say for example 10,000 billion metric tons of oil globally fossil fuels and if we were to consume it at our 2017 rates we're going to have roughly 2000 years 2000 years of oil production i don't know it's uh, we'll see we'll see about that yeah <laughs> we'll see about that but i mean that's a very rough estimate that's 
uh, you know, again, the upper end of the number spectrum that we looked at. Um, we also looked, saw 800 years if that number is at around 4,000 billion metric tons, which was another estimate that we saw. And um, yeah, like ultimately, I think has your stance changed on peak oil going into it versus after it? No, I mean, peak oil still remains uh, a topic that I'm concerned about. I think looking at it, I see the track record of, uh, you know, technology helping uh, mm-hmm. postpone that yeah. inevitable. You see, yeah, those, those graphs don't lie. Yeah. Yes. So, I, I mean, part of me is op- more optimistic, I would say. Right. Um, but my feeling that, you know, we eventually are going to run out and we need to start making changes today mm-hmm. and in the near future to mm-hmm. to really limit that impact that will occur if mm-hmm. we don't address mm-hmm. uh, this, you know, conversion to alternative mm-hmm. energy sources, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, you know, doing the research on this podcast has just made me... Um, like we yeah. have some numbers we see like yeah. 2000 years versus 800 years like that's how much time there's left like just simple calculations like back of the envelope calculations and i don't know it's interesting seeing those numbers in front of you it's like yeah we have a couple of generations but i don't know how much longer can we keep this uh this whole thing going for we'll see yeah we will okay all right thank you for joining us for first principles podcast episode one that was peak oil and we'll catch you later let us know what you think subscribe leave us a like leave us some comments share it and hey we'll see you soon peace